everyone. Welcome to Christendom Conversations, broadcasting on Radio Christendom. We come to you from our campus in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia. I'm your host, Mark Rolina, the Executive Vice President of the college. Christendom Conversations is designed to bring you the time-tested insights you need to help you live your Catholic life to the fullest. To that end, in each episode, we'll visit with a Christendom College professor or occasional outside guest to uncover for you some of the wisdom found in our liberal arts education and our Catholic faith. Today, we're truly blessed to have with us Dr. Timothy O'Donnell. Dr. O'Donnell is the third and current president of Christendom College, as well as a very popular member of both the theology and history departments. We'll get more into his background in just a moment. Dr. O'Donnell, welcome to the program. Mark, great to be with you today. Well, let's begin with a prayer, invoking Our Lady for our time together, as well as for the conversion of our nation and the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Christendom, pray pray for for us. us. Well, we hope you'll be a frequent guest with us, Dr. O'Donnell, since there's so much we could cover. Uh, (laughs) I've lived a long time. (laughs) That's right, and seen a lot. The the college was much different uh, when you first came along. We'll talk a little bit about that. But because the college is ready to celebrate its 45th year, I thought we might begin with your early experiences and some of your insight into the project that is Christendom College. Um, so you've been with Christendom for 35 years now, I think, just celebrated an anniversary? I think that's right, 35 years. Okay. And then the, the president of the college for 28? Yes, so. God has a sense of humor. It's been a, <laughs> a blessed tenure uh, in a lot of ways. So could you take us through your early life, what and where you studied, and catch us up to the point where you heard about Christendom for the first time? Sure. Well, as far as my, my academic background, I began at a, at a Jesuit university and uh, started off as a political science major because my father wanted me to be an attorney. Sound familiar? Yes. <laughs> and, uh, wanted me to be an attorney. But I remember when I was having my first class in political science, uh, after having worked in a law firm uh, for a brief summer, uh, and then it was very clear that the professor did not really believe in objective truth. And that really disturbed me, so I said I had to switch a major. I can't stay in a place where people don't even believe in objective truth. What's the point of education if you're not really communicating truth? And so fortunately, I met a Catholic historian by the name of Dr. John York, who was a convert to the Catholic faith. And he took me under his wing and he said, the two majors where you really will find great strength will be in history and also in philosophy. So when I took my first philosophy course, I fell in love with philosophy. Uh, loved metaphysics. I loved looking at the Greeks, reading Plato, etc. And then, of course, in history, I fell in love with church history, the whole idea of the impact that the church has had throughout the development of Western Christian civilization. And uh, with those two majors, I really began to realize what I like in philosophy is sort of metaphysics, which is knocking on heaven's door. And what I love in history really was church history, like the extension of the incarnation in time. And then I said, I think what I really want is God. But <laughs> God wasn't currently being offered. There was like a religious studies Mm. major, which is a valid discipline. It's a great discipline. You can study what men think about God, but you don't really study God, and that's what theology is. So eventually, after I finished my degrees there, I went on, did a master's degree in church history, Uh, But then when I was hired for my first teaching position in a high school uh, out in California was to teach history but also religion. And what I found that was really interesting that as a layman, 
it was a time where in the church it was very difficult to try to communicate faith, you know, because of the culture, the, the sort of chaos that had ensued in the in the 60s on into the 70s. But I found a lot of times that students would dismiss something said by a religious, by a priest or by a laywoman. Sure. But if you're a, a lay person and you're saying, look it, this is the most important thing in your life is your faith, they couldn't just dismiss it. And so I found that it was very, very effective. So then I began to think, well, maybe this is what I really need to pursue. And um, I did have some difficulties uh, at that time because I would strongly defend the church's teaching on contraception uh, and abortion. And uh, so that caused some waves to move at that particular time. Uh, and a lot of times when it got into discussions or difficulties, uh, good discussions, but most of the time it was, the discussion was sort of ad hominem, you know, so like you don't have a degree in theology. Why can you say this? You don't have the authority. And that's what led me to really think, well, I really love theology and I think I can really reach people with this. And I want to be a saint and I want to help other people to, to grow in holiness. And so I said, you know, I really think I need to shift into theology. And so as a result of that experience teaching for three years uh, in high school, I decided to head off and I love St. Thomas. And so we ended up going to Rome and I enrolled at the Angelicum. But at that time there weren't lay people. So you had to get special permission. Pretty much only priests went. So I had a, a meeting with Cardinal Timothy Manning, the Cardinal of Los Angeles at that time, told him what I wanted to do. And he was said, this is incredible. You really want to study theology? And of course, who doesn't want to right. study theology? <laughs> exactly. it's, the, it's the queen, it's the highest of sciences. So he wrote me a letter in a sort of a sponsorship, and then I was admitted uh, into the school, and that was back in uh, fall of 1978. So we sold our house, packed everything up, and went with my wife uh, and my young daughter to Rome. So as a preface maybe to talking about Christendom College in particular, what was going on in higher ed at this time? Um, you know, you're gonna pursue a career in academics. I don't know if you had planned on it at that point, but yeah, um, yeah. you know, what's the general trend in most schools, even those that may have had a religious identity? Yeah, sometime? well, there's a lot of deconstruction that was going on. I mean, the replacement of theology by religious studies was just one indication of that. But then you had, unfortunately, a great deal of confusion in the wake of the council, not attributing to the council itself, but there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of heterodoxy, and things in terms of student life were, were very, very different from what you would have found uh, back in the 1950s. I remember in particular one of the things that was very disturbing in my life was that in my, I think it was in my sophomore year, they decided to have open dormitory, open mm -hmm. visitation, where mm -hmm. before you could have visits to like till eight or something like that. But they opened a 24-hour visitation and it had a devastating impact on student life, on some of my friends sure. and things like that. And uh, I remember even talking to the, the resident chaplain. I said, why are you doing this, this is crazy. And he said, well, you're old enough to make up your own mind. Mm. And of course, that's absolutely not true. Right. <laughs> and, and there wasn't much guidance. And so I saw firsthand sort of like the, the collapse of Catholic identity, the collapse and rejection of Catholic moral teaching, and the failure in many instances of authority, sometimes mm. sacred authority, to actually give proper guidance. And uh, the renouncing of that, that particular role had a devastating impact on many of my friends. And so that's one of the things that ultimately was gonna lead me eventually to, to Christendom. But it was difficult in some of the classes. I had good professors in philosophy and very much so in history, but in some of the other classes, it was not necessarily sure. that, that case. Sure, it's yeah. safer to talk about the historical figures and some of the old uh, 
Greek philosophers maybe than it is to talk about the modern take on these things. That's right. Yeah, that's for sure. So you're at the Angelicum, uh, the first layman to graduate with a doctorate in ascetical and mystical theology. How did you find Christendom College, and and how were you introduced? Was it was it something that you had uh, your wife? What was the well? It's interesting. Yeah. Before we actually went to Christendom, Doctor Carroll, uh, at that time was working, I think, with the Christian Commonwealth Institute. It might have actually switched over to the Wanda Reform at that time, and he was giving a weekend conference uh, out at uh, the school where I was at, and. Um, I remember that he had taught Kathy. Kathy had gone over the Spain program and had met Dr. Carroll, and he stayed at Kathy's folks' house that night. And so we met one another, and I had the opportunity to share with him at that time uh, my master's thesis, which was on Irish history, a very uh, sort of like a, where the Nine Years' War, which was very much a defense of faith and fatherland, a strong Catholic identity. And so typical of Dr. Carroll, he never slept at night, and when he did, it was maybe three hours, so he stayed up and read it. And the next day, he came up to me and says, you have the exact same vision of Catholic history as I do. <laughs> I'm thinking of establishing a college, and I want you to be part of it. Wow. You know, so it was great to be wanted because at that time I wasn't necessarily being wanted at certain places. Right. But uh, no, he expressed a real desire to have me out there, and it was a great thing to be wanted. And I remember when I chose theology, though, I wrote him back and said, you know, I'm not even going for a doctorate in history. I have a master's in history and a BA in history, BA in philosophy, but uh, I'm going into theology. And he said, I don't care what it is. I want you to come to the college. Yeah. So that was always a great thing to know. So we, we met uh, in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Kathy had met him earlier in Spain, but we met in Los Angeles and I was immediately attracted. He was a, he was a real fighter, he was a real yes. warrior, uh, but he did establish his college. And then when we first came back from Rome, uh, I got another job teaching at a seminary and then also at another university. And I think it was the experience of being at that university uh, and sort of my frustration with the lack of core curriculum, and I can talk more about that if you want, but that eventually led me to when Dr. Carroll said, why don't you come out and see what we're doing here? And I said, yeah, okay, we'll go do that. And so we came out and visited, I think back in 1982, so the first visit. Well, let's maybe take that little vignette of you coming out to visit the campus for the first time, you know. The college is not even a, a decade old at that point. Yeah, yeah. It's changed dramatically over the course of the 45 years. So what did you think when you first came out? Well, I kind of thought what my father thought. My father thought, you have lost your mind. <laughs> You're leaving a big university. You know, you've got the beautiful Pacific Ocean, great future ahead of you. Your family's all here. Why are you going out there? So we, we came out because we were interested, and I recognized at the time uh, that there wasn't going to be a future for what I wanted to do at that university. So we came out and visited, and I remember sitting in the back of the car being driven out at nighttime, cramped. We got out, we ended up staying with Robert Rice, and for being from California suburbia, rural Virginia, all dark, it reminded me of something like from the movie Deliverance. I thought this is really bizarre. (laughs) And then I remember the next day the sun came up, and I turned to Dr. Rice, and I said, well, where's the campus? And he says, this is the campus. And I looked around and I said, it looked like a YMCA day camp that I attended when I was nine years old. And so my immediate reaction, to be honest with you, I said, I am so out of here. This is ridiculous. But then I made a big mistake, putting that in quotes. I attended the classes. Mm. 
and I attended a class taught by Professor Marshner on De Trinitate, on the Holy Trinity, and they had their books open, and they were reading the Summa, and they were talking about the procession of the persons, but I saw students who were engaged. It was very serious. It was great. Then I went to another course taught by a guy named Ray O'Haran called Catholic Doctrine, and there was a clear exposition of Catholic teaching faithful to the magisterium, and again, students asking questions mm-hmm. at the end of the class, and, and Ray, Mr. O'Haran, doing a great job answering those. And so I had one other class, which was a class taught by a Mr. Stork, and the name of that course was The Ancient and Biblical World. Mm. I had no idea that for the next 35 years I was gonna be teaching that course. But anyway, I was really moved by what I saw. And then the other thing that really struck me is, uh, after attending those classes in the morning, came to be 11.30, and I said to my guide, what's next? He says, we have mass now. And so I look, and at that time, there was a tiny little chapel. It's now St. Thomas, you know, uh, Aquinas classroom, but it was just a tiny little chapel. And I went over and I looked and I saw students kneeling outside the mm. chapel on the concrete because they couldn't get in. Mm. And I immediately thought, what, this is like Ireland back then or, or Poland or something. And so I walked over and, and got in there and the chapel was packed. Uh, and it was a simple mass, but the reverence, uh, the silence, and then the number who, after the Mass was over, continued to linger in prayer. Very impressive. Then I went over to the Old Commons for lunch, and uh, the festivity, the joy, the conversation, I said, these guys are normal. This is really great. They're devout, they're pious, but they love having a good time. And so what I really discovered was there is a real balance here. There's a seriousness about learning. And so I began to realize that if there is going to be real hope for the future for the church and turning things around, it's not going to come from my beautiful university, but from a small pioneer place. And so I remember I stayed up arguing with my wife till about midnight in Dr. Rice's library, in the up, I think it was in the upper floor of his home. And I, was, I knew that my arguments were really weak. And then finally, I think Kathy said, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. And I said, of course I am, so let's go. And so we agreed to come out and we said we look at it as an adventure. And so we, we finalized our decision actually on February 15th, which is the Feast of St. Claude Colombier. Yeah. So that's always had a special significance for us. So we decided to come out, and we came out uh, eventually in January of 1985. All right. Well, we'd love to, to delve into a little bit more of, of your time here, and uh, but we have to take just a quick break for some messages. We'll be right back with Dr. Timothy O'Donnell on Christendom Conversations. Looking for a life-changing experience that will strengthen your child's faith and immerse them in a joyful Catholic culture? Send them to Christendom College's High School Summer Program, The Best Week Ever. Located in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, The Best Week Ever is the most popular, well-attended, and highly ranked program of its kind. 50% off with promo code RELEVANTRADIO. Apply today at thebestweekever.com. As Catholics today, we are facing a culture that seeks to sweep away the roots and reasons for our faith. All of us need help upholding our Catholic beliefs. That's why each week, Christendom College President Dr. Timothy O'Donnell opens the riches of Catholic education to all Catholics in his free Principles video series. You can join Dr. O'Donnell for five minutes each week and learn from the best thinkers, hear amazing stories from history, and get spiritual tips to strengthen your Catholic faith. Sign up today at principlesforyourweek.com. That's principlesforyourweek.com. 
Broadcasting from Christendom College, this is Radio Christendom, WXDM 90.3 FM, Front Royal, Virginia, and WHFW 89.7 FM, Winchester, Virginia, Catholic Radio for the Northern Shenandoah Valley. Are you worried that we're losing our Catholic heritage these days? You can rediscover the roots of our faith thanks to a new free online class from Principals and Christendom College. Join my friend, Christendom College President, Dr. Timothy O'Donnell, for his class on Christ the Center of History. Together, you'll explore history from a Catholic perspective to help you know, live, and share your faith. You can get free access to the Catholic History class by going to principlesclasses.com. Sign up today at principlesclasses.com. Christendom College, offering you a free subscription to Principles for critical thinking enlightened by the faith. It can be upsetting when a family member declares that they are an atheist, but you can learn how to speak to them about God with clarity and confidence. Best-selling Catholic author Brandon Vaught offers simple tips and strategies that you can use to reach out to the atheists in your life. Read the essay and subscribe to Principles for free at GetPrinciples.com. Welcome back to Christendom Conversations, where we offer you time-tested insights to help you live your Catholic life to the fullest. I'm Mark Rolina, here with Dr. Timothy O'Donnell, president of Christendom College. So you just got done telling us about how you came to the school. I wonder if you might just tell us a little bit about the founders, maybe Dr. Carroll in particular. What, what was their vision for the college? It seems like a lot of it has really um, stood the test of time here over 45 years, but give us a sure sense of what that is. Yeah. Well, Dr. Carroll was a real fighter. He was a real warrior, always had been that all his life, and uh, always believed in God, but of course he was a convert to the faith, and he always approached everything with great passion, especially when he found something that was true, he would never let go of that. And so when he found the faith, I think through the prayers of his wife, Anne, uh, and sort of read his way in, particularly when he became convinced of the historicity of the Gospels. I think that's something we did a great deal of research, and that really cemented uh, his faith. And so he was a very dear friend, uh, very in some ways a mentor, some way a father to me as well, uh, when, I, when I first met him and when I came out, and always throughout his life was always a great support to me. Uh, but his love for Catholic history was something that we always, Kathy and I always just really enjoyed. We'd have him over to the house frequently in those early years, and uh, he would always come over and have a great time. But I know normally around 10.30 at night or 11 at night when you're just thinking ready to go to bed, he would just be warming up. You know, he mm-hmm. didn't go to bed till two or three in the morning. He did his best writing at nighttime. And so, you know, we're just starting to fade on the couch after having this great dinner and great conversation. And then he'd launch in, have I ever told you about Bonnie Charlie and the 45? <laughs> and I said, no. And then he would launch in, but he would go, but he had this incredible memory for historical detail. Yeah. And also a real writer's ability to see drama in human situations and to capture that and communicate that in effect, in very effectively. And it's great because history does not have to be dry. It can be very scholarly, but at the same time, as he used to say, it should be a story that's well told. Mm. And he had a real gift 
gift. Probably got that from his mother, who was yeah. a successful uh, writer as well. But he would launch into these stories, and they would go for two hours, sometimes two and a half hours. We could ask questions, which was great. But normally, I think when we got past 2.30, he says, I see that you're getting a little <laughs> tired, and perhaps we should go to bed. And it was sure enough, we would. We'd go crash, and he would sleep up in my study. We had a little bed up there that we would pull out. And then, sure enough, uh, by 9 o'clock the next morning, he was up having breakfast with us. But it was always a very special time, you know, to be with him. And, and in terms of the structure of the college, yeah. what they were trying to achieve in terms of oh, yeah. the liberal mm-hmm. arts education, sure. give us a sense of what was the idea behind that? I, Why was that important at that time? Well, I think to, it was important to him because when, after he became a Catholic, he was deeply influenced by Triumph magazine and those who were involved in Triumph. L. Brent Bozell. Uh, certainly as a father uh, of the college, uh, Fritz Wilhelmsen, another one. But the, what happened is uh, the Christian Commonwealth Institute, which was an outreach of Triumph Magazine, which had split with National Review, had this program over in Spain. It was a six-week program. You could come for three weeks, uh, the first three weeks or the second three weeks, or ideally go for all six weeks. Mm-hmm. But the idea was to take American kids and immerse them deeply in a Catholic culture and give them a taste of the Catholic patrimony and the Catholic intellectual life. So you would go there and they had courses in history, in philosophy, theology, Spanish language, uh, political science, economics. And you would be living in a culture where, for example, on Sunday, everything's closed. Kids go to mass, families out on the piazza playing uh, in the piazza of El Escorial. And uh, when it would be the Feast of St. Lawrence, huge fiesta in honor of the Catholic saint. So you really got a sense of how the faith is incarnated in culture. And also it's a big part of our intellectual tradition uh, within Christendom and Western civilization. And so I think it had such an impact on him because he saw the impact it was having on the students there. Mm -hmm. And he said, if you can do this in six weeks and have such an impact, what if you actually had a college that instead of sort of just a six-week program actually was a four-year liberal arts that really taught philosophy, theology, organized along historical matrix, but taught history and all those things. And he said, a place where students could come and could really breathe Catholic air. In other words, really be formed, strengthened intellectually, morally, and in every other way, frequenting the sacraments, extolling the truths of faith and reason. And if we did that, then when you unleash that on the world, they would go out as lay apostles. Mm -hmm. And the fruit of that liberal education, which although worthy of studying for its own sake, of course it is, as a Christian, Charity always compels us to want to share that good, to share that truth. And so that's what got him to think about doing this college and establishing the program that was established. And he gathered around him a group of committed Catholic laymen, uh, Bill Marshner, Jeff Miris, uh, Ray O'Haran, also Chris Burns, who attended the Angelicum uh, in Rome, and uh, Warren. And so that was sort of the nucleus that started the program. And I remember he used to say all the time, if I get 25 students, I will open my doors. He got 26. <laughs> and so he opened in the fall of, of 1977. And uh, It was very much a dream come true, but everyone was really committed to the apostolate. And remembering what the 70s was like, the destruction of Catholic higher education, the betrayal of the church. I remember you had the Vicar of Christ, you know, at one of his general audience actually weeping and crying out, where is the love for the church? Mm. Where is the love for the church? And so Warren very nobly had a great love for the Holy Father and the See of Peter and said, we will answer that call. And so that's what he tried to do. So he gathered these men around 
who were going to do something radical at that time go back <laughs> to something that was very traditional and sort of bring yeah, something old and something new and help it to affect and have an impact on the culture and on the church and on the country. And it was kind of a Don Quixote thing. You know, you would never think, is, is, is Warren really the man to do this? But he had that dogged determination and the inspiration, I think, from the Holy Spirit, intense devotion to the Blessed Mother. He used to lead the rosary every afternoon uh, before the, I think before, maybe after the 545 Mass. And and uh, he was just a real inspiration uh, as a president, but then also in the classroom later after he had stepped down as president. But I think that vision of an integral Catholic education using the liberal arts to help reclaim the Catholic identity and the dignity of the human person was at the heart and core of what he was trying to do with his liberal arts mission in service to the church and the country. Yeah, definitely a blessed endeavor in so many ways. And uh, you know, I'm an alum who experienced that firsthand. Every yeah. year it's amazing to see that same sort of transformation that you described in El Escorial happened with the students here. He was oh, right. Yeah. He was right to see to see that and uh, very prescient in that. So you've bridged the gap from those early founding years. Uh, you know, being here, Dr. Carroll's tenure, and and then when they eventually asked you to be president, which must have been, uh, <laughs> you probably didn't fully appreciate the weight of what that would mean. Um, but what are those things that you described from the founding are still? present here, what do you try to do and try and make sure um, that the college really remains faithful to that founding? What is it about about this school that is... Well, nothing has changed yeah. essentially. Yeah. Everything that there was from the beginning is essentially still there. Uh, Ray O'Haran, who just retired a short time ago, would always say that the college has not changed its mission one iota. And that meant a great deal to me hearing uh, Ray say that. But uh, yeah, so the mission has continued on. If anything, it's just been strengthened and grown and developed, it's gotten deeper. Uh, the predecessor to Dr. Carroll, uh, Dr. Damien Federica, did a great job for us too, brought his wonderful family here, and that really elevated uh, the cultural level of the college. Also with Dr. Federica, the college achieved accreditation, which was a great milestone in the history of the college. So when I became president, yeah, I was kind of shocked. I felt like Jimmy Stewart taking over the building and loan, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, old building and loan, here we go, you right, know, that right, type right. of thing. But uh, I was blessed with, uh, with a wonderful faculty and a great right-hand man in Mark McShirley. Uh, Mark McShirley had been involved in admissions. He became eventually uh, the chief you know, financial officer, but also in a very real sense, sort of what you're doing now, Mark. But he was a, he was a real hero. Uh, and not known to many people outside the college, but through all of those days of growth and struggle where you're trying to do this and that, he was always so supportive, but deeply committed to the mission and was blessed with a, a real gift of prudence where he could rein me in, which was which was a great thing. Because I remember the first thing I wanted to do was let's build the chapel. We've oh, talked sure. about it for years, yeah, so let, yeah. let's build the chapel. And uh, he had a prudent way in which we were able to go about that. Well, we'd love to get back to a conversation on the chapel another time, maybe just in its own right. Sure. Um, I think it would be great for everyone to kind of hear what's going on. You see it as you drive by the campus and, and maybe see it online, but um, that's a show in its own right, I think. Um, just really quickly, Rome, Ireland, can you just say a word about why those are important to us? We can maybe spend some time in another session sure. going into it, but you experienced that. Um, why yeah. were those important additions to what we're doing? Well, when I went to Rome, I experienced what it was really like to study at the heart of the church. And you get a sense of the universality of the church, but also the concreteness of that God comes in the fullness of time. He enters time, he enters history. And these things are not myths. 
I mean, when you look at St. Peter's and what's under that dome, the bones of the man who spoke directly to the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, and heard from his lips, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, that's something that every student should be able to experience. And from the beginning, Ireland was always a big part, for some reason, of the college's founding, because it was a big part of triumph. They used to sing Irish rebel songs mm. all the time in the editor's office. Of course, Bozell was Irish, and uh, Bill Marshner, I think, is a... <laughs> was Irish through marriage, but he had a great love of the the Irish singing. I still hear him singing the old orange flute, uh, which no one could do it like Bill Marshner could do. And so I think the fact that Ireland had become an English-speaking country, but deeply committed to the faith and had remained faithful at that time, it was another example of that enculturated Catholicism. So I think between the two, those were just one more of a theological reason because of the Pope and devotion to the Holy See made Rome central as it is central at the heart of the church in Ireland because it was such a beautiful manifestation of fidelity in the midst of incredible suffering and persecution, and they had emerged as a free and democratic people. And, and much need of our prayers these days. Very uh, much so. so. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. It really does fly when we're having fun here. Um, Dr. Donald, it's been a pleasure to visit with you. I know you're a busy man, but I hope you'll be willing to come on the program again. We can talk about the Sacred Heart. We talk about the Nine Years' War, a whole <laughs> host of things. So um, please. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. It was great to be with you, as right. always. Well, that wraps up our show for today. We want to thank everyone who's tuned in. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at radio at christendom.edu. For more information about how Christendom College is helping its students learn the truth, live the faith, and thrive, please visit our website at christendom.edu. Until next time, remember what the great Saint Padre Pio once wrote, don't spend your energies on things that generate worry, anxiety, and anguish. Only one thing is necessary, lift up your spirit and love God. End of quote. Never stop seeking to understand the true, the good, and the beautiful things that surround us, those things which show us clearly that we were created by a loving and powerful God who is active and has in mind for us an adventure in his plan that can fill us with joy even in suffering. We hope to play just a small part in pointing you towards some of the rich treasures that our faith and a liberal education can offer you as you navigate this turbulent world. With that said, have a great day and God bless you.